Greetings, everyone. Welcome. My name is Andy Neal, and you're listening to The Hiker Podcast. What is going on, everybody? It is Andy. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast that demystifies hiking, the podcast that talks with hikers and finds out about the hiker behind the trekking poles. That is the Hiker Podcast. I just want to thank you all so much for continuing to support the show and me. And I just keep saying the same things over and over again. So I don't want to be redundant, especially, you know, I know a lot of you guys listen to several of these episodes back to back. So I'm like, I don't want to be redundant, but you can help out the show several ways. A big way is just leaving an Apple podcast review. That's always a great way to help. And if you've never listened to this show, um, my name's Andy and I am a new hiker. I've only started hiking in the last year and it's changed my life. So I started this podcast since I was a podcaster before just to uh, find out more about hiking and talk to hikers and find out the why behind the hiking and why people do what they do. Um, because yeah, there's a lot of good resources out there. You can go, you know, watch videos on YouTube and Instagram, but I want to find out the why. Why are you doing it? What's motivating you to get out on the trail? And how is it changing you? And how are you in turn changing the world around you? Um, and I'm just so grateful to all you all who have supported me. I'm so excited for the community that's, that's being built around this podcast. And I'm thinking about starting, I don't want to do a Facebook group. Those never end up well. But something just to thank you all for, I don't know, being so cool to me. I get messages and DMs every, every day. So it's, it's been really, really cool. So thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you want to find out all the ways to listen, of course, go to hikerpodcast.com. Also, if you go to hikerpodcast.com right now, you can help the Southern Oregon Fire Relief for the Phoenix Talent families in the Phoenix Talent School District in Southern Oregon. And uh, yeah, I'd encourage you to do that right at the top there. It's a great way to help um, the families who have been affected by these devastating fires here in the West, but specifically where I live in Southern Oregon, Phoenix Talent is uh, one school district and the money is all going to the school district then they'll go directly to families who are affected um, by the alameda fire which we're at 2600 homes now confirmed devastated um destroyed completely by this fire and yeah if you want to know more about the fires here in oregon make sure you listen two episodes ago to my second conversation i've had this summer with kristen babs of the oregon department of forestry and keep oregon green with that, though, this show is brought to you by Sawyer Products. Sawyer, they keep you outdoors, and uh, I'm actually super grateful for them and everything they do from repellents and just and, and the water filter. That's a big one. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and just how cool they've been to me. They have been an amazing organization and company to work with. So we are going to talk with Pina again, and we're talking about permethrin. Permethrin? Permethrin. That's how you pronounce it. Permethrin. And uh, treating your gear... To get on the trail to keep you safe from the insects that like to pester you um and i, I should know this I, I went out hiking on saturday and i didn't put on any repellent and i got bit by something it still smarts yeah it was actually it was a very large ant and it wasn't happy so anyways without any further ado um that's shame on me for not putting on my repellent it's funny because right after i did i had i had some some of the lotion repellent um in my back and i was like i'm putting this on now <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so we're going to get right into the Sawyer segment with Peanut talking about permethrin. (laughs) 
Hey there, hikers. As you, many of you know, we are partnering here at the Hiker Podcast with Sawyer Products. You know Sawyer Products with their water filters. But many of you may not know how else Sawyer combats disease, and that is with the repellent. And I want to talk a little bit with Andrew, also known as Peanut here, about the permethrin gear treatment. As a new hiker myself, Andrew, I know very little about what this is, what the process looks like, why it's important, and what even is permethrin. So just give us the rundown. Sure. Yeah, let's dive in. Uh, so permethrin, it's, uh, it's a repellent that we offer, and it's a clothing and gear treatment that's derived from the chrysanthemum flower. Um, so off the bat, that was one of the first things I learned about it. And I was like, okay, cool. This isn't some like crazy chemical-based repellent that I shouldn't put on anything, but it's actually meant for softer goods like tents or sleeping bags, all of your clothing. You can even put it on your dog. So like, if you're, if you're hesitant about repellents, it's safe and good to go. Um, but it's meant to... Uh, yeah, go on your clothing, your gear, and it repels and kills mosquitoes, ticks, and 55 other insects. And doesn't just repel them, but it does kill them on contact. So, so why is that important? Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm really not wanting to kill mosquitoes, or maybe I'm okay with mosquito bites, or a tick doesn't seem that bad to me. Why do I need to keep those insects away? <laughs> Andy, <laughs> got to stay protected from Lyme disease. Oh, um, Yeah, whether it's Lyme disease or any other insect-borne disease. Um, I mean, you have uh, you have Lyme disease carried by ticks in all 50 states. Um, no state is exempt from that. So if you think you're an ex- exception, unfortunately, you're not. Um, so you got to stay protected from, from ticks and mosquitoes. Um, because yeah, they're, they're carrying carrying those diseases. So, what is the success rate, or like how how better way to put it, how effective is permethrin putting on your gear and your sleeping bag uh, in repelling and keeping away um, unwanted pests? Yeah, for sure. So, I'm going to talk about spe- ticks specifically here because they're kind of the hardest to kill because they only take one breath every 15 minutes. Um, yeah, so they, yeah, they can hold their breath for a long time, but so when you want, when you spray your, when you treat your gear, um, kind of run through that process, you'd hang everything up on a clothesline tent, sleeping bag, you can have your shirt right there, uh, a full outfit, uh, we say is your socks, your shorts, um, and your shirt. And you only need about four and a half ounces of permethrin to treat one outfit. Um, so as you're treating everything, spray it, make sure it gets a little bit, uh, a little bit damp, see the change of color, let it dry. It's going to dry completely odorless, um, and last for about six weeks, six washes. And then if you have a tick on anything, it only has to travel about an inch of fabric of permethrin treated fabric, uh, to start the dying process. So it'll... So it's, it'll be a sad story for the tick or mosquito. Um, yeah, once it once it lands. So, what is it about that product that does repel? Is it just the permethrin chemical itself, or the where it's derived from? Yeah, it's a it's a. I mean, I, I'm not going to talk about the full chemical process because I'm 
I'm a hiker. <laughs> uh, but yes, it, it is the uh, the compound, the synthetic compound that um, is derived from the chrysanthemum flower. Awesome. So if I wanted to get some of this stuff, where would I go? Yep, you can go to sorry.com, go to our where to buy page. Uh, also, our main retailers are Walmart, uh, REI, you can go to Amazon or support your local mom and pop shop. Um, Permethrin, it's in a big gold bottle and you've probably seen it before and it'll be fun to see the familiar sorry logo on it and i'm glad i talked to you because i just bought someone from bought some from my local outfitter i had no idea how to use it so now i know so hang it up four and a half ounces discolored use that process is there any videos to show how that works online yeah absolutely so really with all of our products we have a youtube channel uh just type in sorry products you can see amy she's awesome she'll show you a little bit of the how-to um, both treating for dogs, uh, for uh, your tent, your clothes, all of the above. Um, Amy will have you covered. Awesome. Andrew, thank you so much. Everybody make sure you uh, go to Sawyer Products and uh, get your permethrin treatment for all your gear. Awesome. Thanks, Andy. Sawyer is an amazing company to work with, and I'm so grateful to them. This week, though, uh, I got connected to this particular hiker through The Prodigy, who also works with Sawyer. He also has been on the show and does some of our Sawyer segments. Uh, Rabbit, also known in the non-hiking world as as, as Rachel Delano, is a long-distance hiker and an outdoor enthusiast residing in the great state of Colorado. She left behind a career in corporate America to thru-hike the Appalachian Trail in 2016, and uh, it ignited a passion for her for hiking, and I just have an amazing conversation with her. And we talked more after I I was done recording, and I wish I could have talked more, and I'm actually excited to have her on the the show again on another episode. So um, we talk about so much, um, and I don't even know how to introduce this conversation. So... Without any further ado, my conversation with Rachel Rabbit Delano. Greetings, hikers. It is Andy, and we are back with another interview. And I am excited to always have so many different people on this podcast and we have triple crown hiker rachel delano on the show here today talking about her journey into hiking rachel how you doing today hi i'm doing good uh, thank you so much for having me on thank you so much for coming on i know we've had a little bit of crazy back and forth making this happen with you know things here in oregon as the fires have been going crazy but i just was excited to talk to you. You reached out to me after the interview I had with Peanut and Prodigy, and I, I was looking at your your profile. I was looking at your website, and I was just super excited to see how hiking had changed you. And I, I was like, I really would love to have her on the show. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, where you come from, and what brought you into hiking. Uh, my name is Rachel Delano, and on trail I go by Rabbit. I, oh, 
Um, so what brought me into hiking? I, um, I used to, well, I originally was born in Florida, um, which is actually where I am temporarily at right now. And then I moved to New York city. And while I lived in New York city, I was kind of doing the, <laughs> the normal thing. I was working a full-time job. I had filled my life up. I actually was doing like a ton of volunteer activities and all of this stuff, just trying to kind of fill up my life with everything that I thought I was supposed to be doing. And it turns out that uh, that doesn't always go how you planned. And I found myself being um, really, honestly, unhappy. And that was whenever I thought back to, um, I guess, an interaction or experience I had whenever I first got out of college. And I had graduated college, I got my first job, and I was working for the American Cancer Society. And I met a woman there and you know we became friends just as co-workers and while I was there I would go up to her desk and I would see this picture on it and it was her sitting on top of a sign and I mean I'm sure everybody else has co-workers and it's kind of odd to see a picture of someone of like that ha they have a picture of themselves on their desk that's definitely not normal um and then I eventually asked her one day I was like hey what what is that sign on your desk? And she's like, oh, that's me summiting Katahdin. I threw hiked the Appalachian Trail. I was like, oh, oh, well, what's that? I had no idea. I was completely clueless. And she started telling me all of these stories. Um, now, as a through hiker, I completely understand. I gave her an opportunity to talk about her through hike, so she took it. And she told me, you know, all about the trail from the start to the end and about her experiences and everything she went through and how it transformed her life. And at the time, I looked at her and was just like, you're crazy. <laughs> like, what? You did? You walked how many miles? And I was that stereotypical person that was like, what are you talking about? But as she talked about it, I just saw her like light up with this passion and it really stuck with me. And I guess this is the, uh, the sadder part of the story. She very unexpectedly passed away. Um, basically was one of the tragic stories of someone who goes to bed at night and doesn't get up in the morning. And the one thing I thought about was how just her personality in general and so much of it, she attributed to through hiking. Um, her name was uh, Lacey or Wildflower. And she just had this calmness about her and this happiness. And while we were working together, she actually lost her job and she just did not care. She was like, meh, it's just a job. I'll get another one. And that attitude and everything, it just, it stuck with me so much. So, you know, fast forward to years later and now I had moved, I was living in New York City, and I'm finding myself just kind of in this endless loop of, you know, work, friends, whatever, and I'm just so unhappy. And that was whenever I had one of those epiphany moments where I, it just hit me. I was like, I have to change. I have to change something, and it needs to be really, really big. And I decided that just like Lacey, I would go out and I would hike the Appalachian Trail. So you're, you're, you're living 
you know, the, the New York life, you know, big city. Was there something particular about just getting away from that besides, you know, the, the story you just told me, was there something particular about getting away from the hustle and bustle of being in New York on the East coast and getting, you know, going out down to Georgia and just starting on the Appalachian trail. Was that a, a conscious decision or was just to get away from the, the hustle and bustle of that? Or was it something else? Um, I think I was looking at, I mean, I think it was definitely more than just like getting away. I was looking for a personal journey. I think like a lot of people are, <clears throat> Um, excuse me, I needed, I I didn't even realize in essence that I was just getting away from like the hustle and bustle. I, whenever you, especially for anyone who's ever lived in New York city, you, you don't even notice it after a while. Like you don't realize how loud the world is until suddenly you're not in a regular city anymore. And for me, it was so much more about going on this personal journey and it was really, funny I thought I thought whenever I started my first through hike like I would go out and do it and I would oh I would figure out my uh what you know what corporate job I wanted when I'd come back like that was my initial thoughts and I didn't even I didn't I also didn't even almost have the drive like some people do to finish I just wanted to go like I just wanted to be out and I did it so impulsively so I made the decision in January and then I started the trail in April. Like I did not spend years planning it. Maybe I had the idea for years, but I definitely very impulsively just, just started. And I just started walking and just kind of let the journey take me where it took me. And I mean, everyone transforms physically, but really that mental transformation, I, I mean, there's no comparison to it. There's nothing else I've ever done in my life that has kind of given me that sort of like peace and like happiness that I found on a through hike, which is probably why I keep doing it. I mean, I keep doing it over and over again. And that's something I keep discovering from more and more people I talk to on this podcast as I'm on my own journey of, of hiking. It's almost like a religious experience when people discover hiking, when they discover through hiking, section hiking. Why do you think that hiking for so many people becomes, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to be sacrilegious by calling it a religious experience, but why is it almost this religious experience for so many people that they get on the trail and they discover this, discover the trail. And, you know, we, we as hikers almost talk about the trail in a religious sense, the trail provides and things like that. Why is that? Hmm. Um, I, for me personally, I mean, I guess I, I can't speak for everyone, but for me personally, I feel more connected to the earth than any other time in my life. There's just, there's a lack of noise, but it's not just like a lack of noise from literal like city noise or cars or whatever. It's, a lack of everything else. And I think it's a time where I can actually be meditative. There's, you know, there's meditation where you're just sitting in a, you know, a quiet room, but there's also moving meditations um, like yoga and how for me, whenever I'm hiking, it feels more like that. I can walk for hours and hours, you know, sometimes by myself, sometimes with others, but you're just in this this state 
where for me, I can be way more aware of my surroundings, where my mind can actually quiet and I can look around and feel connected to things. I've definitely been that crazy person that you see on trail that just walks up and touches the ground because I just want to see what it feels like. Or I, you just kind of want to be part of it. And I think for that, I imagine that that does cross over to a religious experience. I was uh, raised in the Catholic church, but I don't really identify with that anymore. And I feel myself just, you know, way more connected to the earth now instead. It's just, like you said, it's a religious experience in a way, or it can be likened to, and as someone who grew up in a religious home, like I could see where those things definitely connect. Um, I guess something in our spirits, if you believe in a soul, it feels like it touches your soul. And for me, it's gotten, that's where it is. Like it definitely, through hiking lives in my soul. I definitely agree with that. As someone who grew up, you know, in a very religious background and, and left that and then basically was told by a therapist myself, try filling that hole with hiking. And I did it. And I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. I I couldn't agree with you more. It's something about the connection with the earth and the movement. It just it, it fills in something. I can never, never really explain it, but it is almost religious. With that, though, you're, you go on the AT, but before you go on the Appalachian Trail, what did your friends and family say when you're like, I'm going to go on a very long walk? <laughs> um, they were stunned, to say the least, since I, prior to this, was in no way what you would really call an outdoorsy person. I... I remember flying it. I, I also did something, uh, speaking of therapists, my therapist basically called me out whenever, uh, because of like, of course I was in therapy and he, whenever I told him my plans and he was like, well, who have you told? And I was like, no one. He's like, are you just going to ghost on your life? I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't that be the plan? Isn't that what everyone does? And he's like, no, you can't just ghost on your entire life. Go tell your family. Um, so I started with telling um, my my partner uh, at the time we were, of course, struggling because whenever one partner is unhappy, things are always challenging. And he was extremely supportive and still is. Uh, my God, so supportive. <laughs> I can't I cannot put into words how supportive he is. Um, and then. Uh, my family, on the other hand, was a whole new ballgame. I flew at the time I was living in New York um, and I flew down to where my brother lived in Savannah, Georgia, who has also moved now. He's in Alaska now. And I flew down to see him first. He picks me up from the airport and he had just he had a, a newborn baby at the time. And I told him, I was like, hey, I... I'm going to quit my job and leave my whole life and everything behind. And I'm going to go hike the Appalachian trail. And he just like, didn't say much. And we were only a few minutes from the house and we got to the house and he was just like, hold on. And he walked into his like bedroom or office or whatever and like came back out and he dropped an Appalachian trail guidebook on my lap. And I was just like, what, what? And he's like, well, yeah, I mean, I've always wanted to do it too. <laughs> and I was like, oh, 
all right, cool. And um, he actually had backpacking experience. And, uh, you know, so that was pretty cool. Um, I think he tried to reasonably scare me a little bit. Um, he showed me a bunch of his, like, his packs and his, like, tents and how heavy things could be and was trying to kind of, I think, in a way, just, like, prepare me um, and show me, like, it wasn't that he was unsupportive, but he was just like, hey, like, this is really hard. And it was helpful, but I also was completely undeterred. I was just like, yep, yeah, packs are heavy, whatever. <laughs> like, I'll figure it out. And then I um, I told my mom, who had the most quintessential reaction, she goes, what about bears? I was like, bears? I don't know. I'll figure it out. There's bears outside. And... Uh, she, I would just get calls all the time from her, which is like a new thing she had thought about, like a new thing to be concerned about. And then uh, when I told my dad, his reaction was like, you don't even like bugs, like, like at all. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think bugs are going to be the biggest problem for me. I really don't care for them. And uh, yeah, and then, and then as I was out there, though, I could mark the transitions of my family and as they, as their opinions seemed to change. I remember getting a call from my dad when I was in Damascus, which is uh, about 500 miles in, in Virginia. And I called him and told him, you know, where I was at and how far I'd hiked. And he said, you're, you're really doing this. Like you're, you're going to do this. I was like, yeah. Yeah, what do you think I did? I just walked 500 miles. Of course I'm going to do this. And he's like, oh, okay. And then I hit the 1,000-mile mark, and I called my brother and was like, hey, I walked 1,000 miles. And it was like, again, he was like, oh, you're going you're gonna to make it. You're going to walk all the way. <laughs> yeah. And then I was in the 100-mile wilderness and oddly enough, I had my phone like off airplane mode and on and um, I had service, which is surprising. And I remember calling my mom and being like, I'm in the 100 mile wilderness. I have 100 miles left, like not even. I'm so close to being done. And she was like, you didn't quit already? <laughs> I was like, wait, what? She's like, aren't you done? Didn't you quit? Aren't you over this? And I was like, no, I'm not over this. <laughs> I'm still walking <laughs> so close. It took her, I would say, almost an entire other through hike for her to come on board. She was oh, wow. she was still not really a huge fan of what I did. But after um, I walked another 2,600 miles on the Pacific Crest Trail the next year, by the time I got on the Continental Divide Trail in 2018, she was extremely supportive, telling everyone she knew, calling me all the time. She would literally just call me at random intervals to see if I would answer. So every time I turned my phone off airplane mode, it would just ring and it'd be her. It was like magic. That's awesome. So on the Appalachian Trail, at what point, was there a point or an instance or did it just happen gradually where you were just like, you know what? I'm a through hiker. I, I, I've, I've fallen in love with, with hiking in the outdoors. Was that, did that happen on the Appalachian trail? Was that later on in your journey? When, when did that happen while on the trail? Hmm. I knew I, I knew I had fallen in love. I think on the first day, 
it took such a little time for me to feel exactly at home. I knew exactly where I wanted to be. I started and, you know, I had other friends saying, oh, you'll come home in two weeks and all this stuff. And it was, and it was hard. <laughs> let me, let me not mince words. It wasn't because I went out there and everything was just like the best day ever. I had breakdowns within my first, you know, days on trail, but I realized like I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to quit. And I had all these opportunities to quit. I got really injured and actually came back to New York and was living, um, or not living, but I guess temporarily living back in my old apartment for a few weeks while I went to the doctor and like healed up. And at that moment, I remember having the thought like, you know, I could just not go back, but then also it just wasn't an option. Like I just felt, I felt so called to go out and just like finish this journey. And then I would say it was maybe, it was maybe around the hundred mile wilderness. It was right at the end whenever I realized I was going to have to go back to something, I was going to have to leave and, and do something again with my life that wasn't hiking. And that was whenever, um, and oddly enough, it wasn't actually the Pacific crest trail that I planned directly next. I actually did a bike tour from Pittsburgh to DC with a friend of mine, um, Kodak, who I finished the trail with. We actually did a bike tour after, and then I went to Georgia for a while and I, as I kind of started to flounder, um, that was whenever I think I started having those similar like feelings where I realized like, this is, this is what I want. I kept thinking I'd have an epiphany and I would know what I wanted my career to be. But instead I realized that I just wanted to be a hiker. So that was when I decided that I would go hike the Pacific Crest Trail the next year. That was really, I would say when it sunk in and I decided I would do anything I needed to do to make that possible. So you finished AT, you do the bike tour and then you head towards the PCT and then later the CDT. What was it an intentional decision to be like, I'm going to do the triple crown or was it just like, this is the next big trail. I've already done. I've already done the AT. I'm going to go on to the PCT. I've already done that. Now the CDT, was it a, a goal to get the, get the triple crown or was it just, this is the next big thing. It became the goal. I, it did. It definitely didn't start that way. It definitely did not start that way on the AT. And then by the time I got on the PCT, it was funny as I hiked and as I met people and you know, told them that I had hiked the AT the year before it, they all just assumed like, Oh, well, obviously you're doing the CDT next year. I was like, I, I am. And I just kind of was like, okay, I am. Like I could do this. And I looked at my life and was like, I, I can't, I can do this. And it just became, it became the goal. I knew always in the back of my head while I was hiking the PCT that I would go on to hike the CDT the next year. And it was funny because people used to, they would talk to me about it. They would try to bring up the CDT and want to talk about all these details and what did I have planned? And I would always just say like, one at a time, <laughs> let me, let me finish this before I possibly get on to the next one. And so I tried to focus all of my energy just into my current hike, but that always became in the back of my head. By the time I was on my second hike, I knew the third one would come the next year. So I'll get a, a little bit of more, maybe more difficult questions here. Uh, hiking over the years, and this is changing. Um, 
but it's it's very much been a male dominated world. What would you say are the challenges about being a woman who's 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 through hiking, who's who's in this world? What needs to change and what has improved for a woman who is a through hiker, is in this culture, uh, who's done the triple crown? What needs to change and what have you seen change over the years that that's putting us on the right trajectory? There will always be challenges. And one of the challenges that I think I face that a lot of other women face is self-doubt. Whenever you look at a trail and all you see from major brands is a white dude with a backpack on who's like 21 years old, you don't see yourself in that. And I know that not just women, but people of color and, you know, other people look at this and people who aren't, you know, in their twenties will look at a hike and say, Hey, well, maybe that's not meant for me, but that's not, that's not the way it is. And though everyone definitely does not always feel welcome on a trail, um, that is something that people experience on a day-to-day basis. Um, everyone is like anyone can hike. If you, if you have the desire and the passion to go out there, it, it can, you know, you can, you can make it happen. That is generally my message to anyone is that you can do this. And so for women in particular, I think it's, for us having to let go of the narrative we've been taught, the narrative that says, you know, you have to hike with a man, you have to hike in a group, you definitely can't hike alone. And especially not if you're a woman. I can't tell you how many times I've seen on Facebook groups or Instagram threads or anything like that, um, where, and, and people ask me all the time, like, oh, well, you obviously don't go alone. I'm like, well, yeah, I did. I did all of my trails alone. You, you meet people along the way. I was rarely alone once I was out there, but I started these journeys by myself. And that is, that it's just such a strong message that we were taught. And I, and I, I had, you know, my family and friends with the the best of intentions, you know, not realizing that telling me that all it does is it, it helps instill, instill that, like I said, that self-doubt, that fear, that narrative that says, maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe I don't belong here. And there, there is a sense of that, especially for me before I started my hike and before I start you know, any hike, I have a, I definitely have a level of fear. I'm not fearless. And it's just, it's so much, it's driven home. And I think that things have started to open up where now you are seeing more representation um, of women in, in hiking. You're seeing more people out there. And so you're, you know, you're seeing that. I remember pointing out to a brand, I had someone ask me, oh, what do you think of this sticker? And it was just, I said, oh, wow, another dude on a mountain. I'm so surprised. And instead of changing it to a woman, they just added a woman. And I thought like, you can't even have her alone. (laughs) You can't even show a solo female. You had to put her next to a man. And it's stuff like that where I was like, man, you know, you can, (laughs) you, you just, you know, women are strong. We can do this. 
And there needs to be representation of that. You know, these big brands that go out, they need to show solo women and women of color out on trails by themselves doing these adventures and showing up and showing that you can do it, um, you know, with your, your own self. Like I keep repeating, you can do it just because that has been my own motto within my own brain. Every time I feel overwhelmed, it's just like, you can do this one step at a time. And I mean, I, it, it really is representation and telling of stories, bringing people into the conversation that aren't, you know, your standard quote unquote hiker that, you know, 20 year old white male, just bringing in new people, new voices and acknowledging the voices too, that don't have large followings. Um, it's very easy to fall back to the people with the big YouTube followings and the big Instagram followings and what have you, but addressing the stories of other people, the ones who you have to really search out and find often they have, you know, the, the really moving stories that you've just never heard of. So I'd like to ask this as much as, as much as possible. What would you tell someone like myself, you know, a white male in my, in my thirties, but you know, cisgendered, you know, hetero, all that. What would you tell someone like me who wants to see the trail be more diverse and more open, inclusive without, without pandering? What would you tell someone like me to do to help in that goal? Um, if you see in, in, you know, in inequity or an injustice, I would say, you know, feel free to speak up, acknowledge where you spend your money. Um, I do this all the time. Let me start out by saying, actually, maybe before I give advice that I need advice always, I am always learning. I'm trying to read and educate myself, listen to my friends. We all make mistakes. Like, if you're not messing up, you're not trying. And I, I guess that, I mean, that's, I guess this, the starting could be the entire advice that I give is like, you, you know, mess up, make the mistake. It's okay. If you realize you did something wrong, apologize, try to, you know, try to fix it. I like, I screw up all the time. I am imperfect. Um, and it's, I guess if you are invested in your someone who says like, Hey, I, you know, I want to see change just do your best to try to acknowledge it. For me, I started <clears throat> reaching out to brands that I saw like on Instagram or ads and things. And whenever I see that they don't highlight women or they don't highlight diversity, I'd reach out to them and say, Hey, I noticed that you're not highlighting any diversity. Is there a plan to be more inclusive just to see if they would reach back out? Because I know that the more voices that companies hear, it makes a difference because they, you know, big companies want dollars and they need to hear from, you know, from people. And so I would say, if you want to see change, then maybe just start taking little steps, little things you can do. And then, um, and if you have, you know, <laughs> if you have the ability, spend your money at the places that you see diversity being represented, choose to put yourself in those situations. Um, and then, oh, sorry. And I was going to say, and on another, on another note is you can also, if you have someone who's expressed to you that they may be afraid, I've definitely had women come to me and say that they are afraid to hike alone or do things, offer to go with them, be someone that they can rely on until they feel strong enough to go on their own. 
such good advice. And, and so it's, it, I think the most important thing is be willing to make mistakes. I know in my own life and my own journey as I've gone from someone who's been, you know, from a very conservative, somewhat, I don't want to say conservative is necessarily closed-minded, but for me, it was closed-minded background to a much more open mindset. I've had to be, I'm, I'm thankful for the, the the women and the the people of color in my life who have seen me made mistakes and have called me out, but did it wanting the best for me. And so I think that's the biggest thing is be willing, be willing to own your mistakes and realize you're human. You're going to make mistakes. And it's, it's so it's, it's, this is a, this is a journey, both life and the trail. Um, so great advice there. Thank you so much. Um, transitioning back to the trail a little bit here. So you, you, you do the CDT talk about that feeling of that last trail and getting to Canada getting to that last terminus what was that like for you finishing the triple crown of hiking i found myself being actually more emotional the night before i finished i remember laying in my tent in glacier park i went northbound on the cdt and laying there and like kind of crying and feeling I don't know. It's, it's so hard to mix this like mix of emotions and for every other trail, whenever I I got to Katahdin and for the, uh, the Pacific Crest trail, I didn't finish at Canada. I actually had to do like a flip flop because of the snow. And I finished at this like little trail junction by myself. And every time I just like sobbed my eyes out and had all these feelings. And then whenever I, was walking through glacier and you know the last day I'm getting closer and closer to the terminus and I realized at one point I was really really close I was only like maybe a few hundred feet I I had to walk down this road a little bit and I actually stopped to let one of my friends catch up with me because I realized I just I don't know I didn't want to finish alone I was just like man this is the first time I felt this way and I was so close and I felt like on any other trail I would have just sprinted to the finish to like, just to get there. But I just kind of sat and waited. I was like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to wait a minute. One of my friends is, uh, is a right behind me and I'm going to wait on him. And so I did, I waited and he sauntered up and we walked up to the trail or walked up to the uh, terminus. And I looked at it. I was just like, wow, well, I'm done. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have nearly as much of the, that intensity. And it, it was, I, I mean, I was feeling so many emotions, but it was, it was funny that they didn't physically manifest quite as much. And I ended up having more feelings of elation where every other trail I had been mixed with honestly a deep sadness and for anybody that's finished a trail, you'll know that there is just this sadness that comes. And I didn't expect it in a lot of a lot of ways, but it happens. I think it's because as soon as you're excited that you finished, part of you starts to mourn the loss and the loss mm-hmm. of the trail and the lifestyle. And nobody wants to say that. Nobody wants to say, I finished my hike and I was really sad. <laughs> like <laughs> that is not what goes on the YouTube. <laughs> That's not what you put on your Instagram. I finished and I cried because I was also sad, but that's the reality of it. And 
I can say when I finished the Triple Crown that definitely the happiness outweighed that sadness. Like I did feel, <laughs> not gonna lie, I felt extremely accomplished and I was very, very proud of myself. So you, you finished the Triple Crown, you've, you've, you know, you experienced with every, with every trail, a little bit of post-trail depression as I've, I keep hearing about. Um, and so hiking obviously has fundamentally changed who you are as a person, but I'm curious, how has it changed your relationships with people? with family, significant others, um, how friends, how has hiking changed you relationally with others? I had friends tell me more than I knew it myself. I felt I didn't, it's hard to see the change within yourself. You know, you have to kind of, especially if you're, you're right coming off a hike, it's hard to like get this, outward view of yourself since you're, you know, you're so in it. And for me, it came whenever I started having friends tell me that I seemed different. They're like, you seem just so different. And I was like, I had to start asking, I was like, how, how am I different? I don't see, am I? And they said, yeah, that you, I felt, I guess I should say, they said I was, I was calmer. I was more patient and I realized that something the trail had taught me was to listen more because it cuts out a lot of the noise where normally it's so easy when you're friends, even if you're at dinner to all grab your phones and to like look at your phones every five minutes. But on trail, a lot of times you don't have service or I'd leave my phone on airplane mode and just not care. And that was a big part of it was when I came back, I found myself being more open and wanting to hear people's stories, wanting that connection. I started craving that connection that I had with all of my through hiker friends. And then also I learned the, the ability to have friends that live anywhere, friends that live across the world or in other States. And that idea of just staying connected to people that you've met and that I could form deep connections with people that I didn't even spend a lot of time with and to keep going from there. And I would say that's something that's definitely changed is it's really easy to lose touch with people you don't talk to often. But I've learned that with, with through hiker friends, even if you don't talk for a while, you can pick right up where you left off. And it's, it's like you've always been together. And also my worldview has changed somewhat. Um, my eyes have definitely been opened to a lot of things that I think were like easier to ignore, um, like inequities in the world. And also that people are inherently good. I think before it's so, it's so easy to assume that a stranger that walks up to you has malintent, that something is dangerous and something is wrong if a stranger is approaching you, but on trail, it's just the opposite. And I learned that I can, apply that to my life, that people are inherently good. And whenever they come up to you, it is okay to listen and to talk to them, even if you don't know who they are. That's awesome. And I, I think that's one thing that's changed for me is I've always been very suspect of people. And as I've gotten into hiking, I've learned that there is some inherent good in everyone. Um, sometimes they lose their way, but it's, it's been, it's, it's, it's forced me to learn to trust humanity as a whole which is amazing i want to transition a little bit here to another part of your life 
but I think it's important. Um, you're, you're a yoga teacher. How, how does yoga and hiking fit together? In some ways they seem very similar. Other ways they seem very different. How has your life as a yoga instructor influenced your life as a hiker and vice versa? I, so I found yoga, actually, I got my certification in between the Pacific Crest Trail and the Continental Divide Trail. So that was something as I, you know, I mentioned as I walked, I had thought like, oh, what new job do I want? And I, of course, did not find that answer on the Appalachian Trail. But as I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail, it was one thing that I started kind of coming back to. It was something that I did on trail, often just like even in my tent or just on my breaks, just like stretching and things and kind of putting myself in a meditative state. And I realized like, oh, I could, I could do this. <laughs> like I could do this for like a living or I could teach, I could teach other people. And so I went and got my certification in that kind of in between. And um, oddly enough, it was actually the only thing that's ever thought I've ever thought about keeping me from going on a hike was I was enjoying learning and teaching so much that I almost didn't want to, I I found something I didn't want to give up to go walk. And then of course I did anyways, because I definitely wanted to hike the CDT more than I wanted to stay and, and teach classes. Um, sorry to any of my students. And then I, yeah. So whenever I was out on the CDT, I was kind of fresh off this training and the main thing it did was um, help, you know, help me, I think, stay healthier I, it's really easy for all of us to get injured, um, either physically or like in our psyches and our minds. And as I tried and definitely with a lot of imperfection, tried to implement the things that I had learned throughout my training, my, like my daily stretches, my daily flows and meditations, I mean, I, like I said, I failed all the time. I think for all of New Mexico, I was like yoga every single day. I'm doing, I'm moving, I'm meditating, I'm doing everything great. It was awesome. I had some friends doing it with me and I was just like, this is perfect. And then I got into the snow of Colorado and as I'm like, you know, post holing up to my knees and I'm like bleeding into the snow and all of this stuff, I'm like, um, maybe not like yoga today. <laughs> maybe this isn't my journey today. And just accepting that, you know, it's something that helps me. And it's something that I hope um, I can teach and show others that it can help you on trail. But also, if there's days you don't meditate, there's days you don't meditate, like it's, it's okay to give yourself some uh, forgiveness there as well. On your Instagram, you talked about your journey with the the Colorado Trail and with with COVID this year, it seems to be the a good go to trail for everyone this year because there's an ability there to to distance yourself from people, which has been really good. But you also talked about how you had to get off trail and it, it was disappointing. And I know this weekend I was supposed to do a section hike of the PCT, but because of the fires out west, I had to, I didn't have a choice to cancel. It was canceled for me. How do you deal with disappointment on the trail when a, a a hike doesn't go as planned, a section doesn't go as planned, or you have to cancel your hike? Yeah, I uh, I guess in two maybe I should step back a bit. So I'm not all I'm not always the most transparent on my Instagram page, as um, a lot of people aren't. It's hard to share um, all of your life on a social media platform. 
But uh, yeah, I also hiked and quit the Colorado Trail in 2019. Uh, in 2019, I should uh, should say, uh, I realized at the beginning, I probably should have given my like a little bio of um, trails. So Appalachian Trails, 2016, PCT, 2017, CDT, 2018. In 2019, I went to England and hiked uh, Hadrian's Wall with my best friend. I came back and section hiked the uh, Virginia of the Appalachian Trail. I went on then to section hike Washington of the Pacific Crest Trail. And then I started the uh, Colorado Trail in 2019. Uh, and this is kind of, I guess, like the cat out of the bag moment because it didn't really happen. But I was going for the fastest known time and did not accomplish it. And then I stepped back and I decided, okay, you know what? I'm... I don't, I don't care. I'm going to let that, that go. But, uh, like a lot of hikers, I think if you, at least for me, if I don't accomplish something, if I don't make it, and that was the first time I've ever not finished, it stuck with me. And it, <laughs> I am a, a very stubborn person. I would say most people would would agree to that. Um, as much as I want to be as Zen and Yogi as possible, I am extremely stubborn. And whenever I like, I, whenever I want something, I want it. And for me, I wanted to finish the Colorado trail. And so as COVID came, um, I actually had a flight booked to go hike the Arizona trail this year. And, that didn't happen um, for all of the obvious reasons that everyone knows now. I actually wrote up a, an article for Gut Hook about it. And it was funny. I look back at it now and almost laugh because it was like, as I explained why I didn't hike because of COVID, now that would be like, um, duh. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just part of it. And then I was also supposed to go hike the West Highland Way with my best friend again. Her and I go to England pretty much every year. And we were supposed to do that. And of course, that also got canceled. And then my other plan, what I referred to as my secret plan, because basically I was the only one who knew it, was I was planning to hike the Colorado Trail. I was going to yo-yo it. And, and if that went well, I was planning to turn around and come back for the record again, make another attempt. Um I mean, now legend's blown it all out the water again, so whatever. But it was harder than I can maybe explain because I, gosh, I hope she's okay with this. Um, my mother got COVID and that's whenever I referred to the family emergency, that is what happened. Um, because this is a global pandemic and things happen. She got it from a coworker who did not take this seriously and traveled and did not quarantine. And my mom is a healthcare worker and had no choice but to go to work. So she had to do what she had to do. And that led to exposing herself to um, a very dangerous virus. So I, she got very, very sick. I won't go into the details, but she got very, very sick and needs still needs. That's why I'm in Florida now. Um, I actually live in Colorado, um, needed support full time. Um, and I'm still here with her while she heals. And for me, the trail faded away. Sometimes there are things that are more important. And this was one. And thank you so much for being authentic and, and, and transparent there. Um, it's 
we we do like to put our best foot forward on, on social media. I feel like, and it's hard to to sometimes put the the, the tough times because we want everybody to to follow us and like us. And you know, sometimes the sad stories don't get the most likes, and that's just. I think I think we I think we need all need to hear because sometimes the trail does fade away, whether you're a day hiker or a section hiker or a through hiker. On that note, Instagram's become a big part, and YouTube's become a big part of the hiking world. In what ways is social media, Instagram, YouTube helped the hiking world, and in what ways has maybe it not helped so much? Um, it's helped the world, I would say, because it has brought attention. And and I think that's, it's like the same part of like a two-sided coin. So attention means that people are more focused on public lands and, you know, protecting public lands and all of these things. And, you know, seeing it out there, people actually seeing what these places look like make them more invested. So, you know, seeing a video of a beautiful lake or of a mountain range, it does make you more invested that you want to preserve this place. On the flip side, it does bring popularity. And with popularity becomes sometimes overuse or people who don't always know or understand or respect, like leave no trace principles. So it's good and bad. Like there, to me, it's, it's so mixed. There's some people that feel really strongly one way or the other. And I think it's really mixed. Like it's good to hear stories. I like social media for the fact that it tells stories of people that you wouldn't hear otherwise that people only, you know, in the past, they could have only basically written a blog or a book, but now we have this whole other way for people to learn about, um, to learn about trails and a way for people to get messages out. Um, I mean, the dark side of it is that often algorithms will change or hide um, people of color. There is an entire dark side to social media that, you know, is encompassed in that or, you know, only putting forward some voices while hiding others. That's the, the negative side of it, that people's stories that really should be heard aren't always heard. Um, But there is, you know, there is opportunity. So I definitely don't want to say that it's all good or all bad. It's, it is a complicated mix. And I appreciate when I see people with big platforms, acknowledge people with um, lesser platforms, especially people whose stories need to be heard. So rounding out here, if there's someone listening to this and they're, they're thinking about getting into hiking, whether it just be going on a day hike or, some backpacking trips or section, or maybe, you know, doing one of the the through hiking trails. What is one piece of advice you'd give to someone who wants to get up and get on the trail for the first time and maybe even take this up as a part of their life? Just go like, it's going to work out. It's going to be okay. (laughs) My advice is always like, it will be okay. You're going to sort it out. Uh, the only thing I think people should really and truly research with a lot of detail and care and attention is leave no trace. Thinking about uh, having only a positive impact on the trail that you go on, the rest of it will come. You know, you're you will 
you will learn what gear to take. You, you'll take the wrong stuff always. And then you'll learn and you'll swap it out. Like you'll make improvements. You'll change as you go. But really, if you understand the principles of leave no trace, that's all you basically need to know to get out there, to start, to keep yourself and others safe. And, um, you know, taking the first steps is the most important part of your journey. And it's so important to, to understand leave no trace principles. Um, and you're going to, I've made mistakes with that and give yourself a little bit of grace, but no, understand also it's so important to know those things and, and be willing to like in any other parts of hiking, be willing to admit your mistakes um, in that because we have this one earth and uh, we don't get, we don't get a plan B on this earth. So we need to do our part as hikers closing out. I do like to ask through hikers um, your trail name. Tell us the story. Oh, um, the the long and the short is I have two bunnies at home. Uh, so I am rabbit and I have two rabbits. <laughs> I uh, was on the AT. I was, had just finished Georgia. So your first kind of sec- section there, I just uh, was walking out of the state of Georgia. And I had been uh, seeing these two other women that were section hiking and we were all in camp together and I didn't have a trail name and they had seen me in the morning and I was like I think I was like jumping back and forth on the trail like jumping around puddles and sticks and stuff just because why not and they were like you're hopping down the trail like a rabbit and I was like oh I have I have two bunnies at home and the first name they tried to give me they were like you should be bunny and I was like oh hell no <laughs> <laughs> no 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 that is not what we do here and I was like I do not like I just didn't like the ring of it no offense to anyone who is named bunny I'm sure that's great for me it did not feel like a fit um so lesson to other people if they try to give you a trail name you don't want say no (laughs) and uh we kind of it was a discussion a lot of people say like oh it was like bestowed on me by the hiking gods I'm like I don't know we had a chat about it and I would say like kind of maybe at the end of the day the next day I just kind of kept contemplating it It was like I don't know I'll try introducing myself as rabbit some and like see how it pans out so yeah it was a chat and then I just decided to kind of take it on and started just telling people that was my name and here we are five years later I'm, I'm still rabbit awesome rabbit where can people find you on social media if they want to see what you're doing your blog all that fun stuff rabbit hikes is my Instagram and also my website. So just www.rabbithikes.com. That is where um, I have a little more background, little stories. I have some gear reviews and things like that all up on my website. But my social media, my Instagram is my public page. That's the one where I post my photos and videos and all of that stuff. So Rabbit Hikes is the, the IG is the place where I will be. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on the show and being so cool. Guys, make sure you follow her on all the various social media networks. Links, of course, are, you know, where they're supposed to be. And, uh, yeah, make sure you follow me on all the various social media networks. My Instagram is Andy Filmed Hikes. And you can also follow the Hiker Podcast. For all that, go to hikerpodcast.com. And uh, yeah, I, I would love to hear what you guys want to see in here. Not really see, but here on the show. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start exploring more into things like public lands and how hiking um, 
hiking helps with mental health. I've talked a lot about the journey of my family and my children with, with hiking and um, how it's affected positively their mental health as my children were adopted from foster care and have struggled with so many demons they've had to overcome. And hiking has been a huge part of their, their therapy and, and their healing, as well as my own. So I'm going to be talking more about that, having more guests on regarding that in the near future, and also public lands. And I just want, before we end the show, uh, this last weekend was Public Lands Day. I was so encouraged to see a Public Lands Day as I was hiking with my daughter on the Pacific Crest Trail. Um, the, 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 the Pacific Crest Trail, Southern Oregon Rockers, they are the trail maintenance people out there working. Uh, I said, hi, they recognized me. It was so cool. And then they're like, yeah, it's Public Lands Day. And that night I watched uh, Patagonia. They, uh, they, uh, they put a, a movie out called Public Trust about public lands. And I would encourage you all to watch it. Um, they did an amazing job. Patagonia Films did an amazing job with this. And uh, I'll put a link to that film in the description here. And uh, yeah, guys, thank you so much for uh, listening. And we'll uh, talk to you all next week here on The Hiker Podcast. <laughs>